Okay. All right. Hi, everyone. How you guys doing? Good. Well, uh, welcome. Hey, actually, you know what? Can we turn on the house lights a little bit? That's the, the last panel, just a little bit so people can see. Perfect. Um, got some announcements here for you. First of all, uh, those of you who missed last week, we announced uh, that Troy is going to be our new worship leader. Uh, isn't that awesome? So Troy and Megan, Megan right here, his wife, and their two kids, uh, we've been praying about it, and um, it's just, it's such a fit, the way the Lord worked the whole thing out. It was amazing, and uh, um, so he's going to be taking on the worship ministry and overseeing all the sound. Right now, see, Gabriel's already training. He's ready to go, uh, <laughs> and so it's going to be awesome to, to do that. Part of what he has a heart to do is even train up new musicians and, and through the youth and stuff like that. So uh, really excited about that. And then Megan has a bunch of experience in the children. And uh, so they're just like a sweet family that loves the Lord, that wants to join with what's going on here. And so we're stoked about that. Are you guys stoked? Yes. Thank you for saying yes. I knew you would. Uh, I'm just kidding. Well, uh, we've got some announcements for you here uh, this morning. First of all, marriage ministry, that is starting this Thursday. This Thursday, uh, and it's going to be from 7 to 8.30 right here in the sanctuary. We'll make it comfortable, set it all up. I think we have like 10 couples already saying they're coming, 10 or 11. Um, and so the more the merrier. Uh, there's something really cool about going through something like this together. First of all, uh, I want to be really clear. You do not need a bad marriage to go to this. In fact, the people with the best marriages tend to do stuff like this. Every time they, they, there's an opportunity to do a tune-up or to build and, and you know, make it even better, that's, that's what this is. Um, well, we're going to be going through a 10-week series. It's a video series uh, called Love and Respect, um, and it it's, was filmed at Harvest, and um, it's, it's, it's a really well-known, really uh, good, uh, you know, series. And part of, the, I think, series one says getting out of the crazy cycle, and which I, you know, sounds good, right? Uh, if there's a crazy cycle, let's get out of it. But um, we're going to have that, again, 7 o'clock to 8.30. We're going to try and make it nice and have uh, some coffee and stuff like that, just, you know, make it feel a little bit like home. And the videos are about 45 minutes or so, and then we'll have a chance to kind of chat and break up. Uh, there's going to be a workbook uh, that's $10 uh, that'll, that's going to be here in the next couple days. But uh, sign up. And, and if you sign up, please let us know uh, if you have any kids that will be coming as well because that helps us to know. We've got some people who have signed up to help with the children's ministry, which is awesome, and we're going to try and make it really fun for them as well. Um, but, yeah, 7 to 8.30, Thursday nights. Uh, come. Come be a part of it. It's going to be awesome. Uh, next up, VBS. VBS, Vacation Bible School. Uh, as you see, it's the SunWest Roundup. Uh, it's going to be um, from June 20th to the 24th, on Monday through Friday, 6 to 8 p.m. So we'll be here from 6 o'clock to 8 o'clock every, uh, every night, and it is a blast. Um, you guys know we have the water balloon night, uh, crazy hair, all that stuff. Uh, what makes that night really, or that, you know, VBS really, really fun is people helping. So we have a sign-up in the back for students or kids that'll be going, and it's ages 3 to 5th grade. And then we have a sign-up for helpers. So if you're interested in bringing a child, that's awesome. Uh, it's usually, we usually get a good crew in here. I don't know if 
40 or so, 30, 40. And, um, and it's tons of fun. Decorate the whole thing. And then, so if you're interested in bringing a kid, great. Also, if you're interested in helping out, uh, if you can only make it certain nights, that's okay. Uh, the more, the better, obviously, that, you know, helps. But don't, don't stress about that. If you can only make it a couple nights, it all adds up and it all helps. Um, so, yeah, there you go. Uh, youth group Friday nights, 6.30 to 8.30, right here in the back. Pizza, fun, games, message. We, you know, it's just a great time. Good, good hanging out. We played uh, baseball this last week, and we lost so many balls. Like six, was it? Like six up on the roof. Uh, there's like a treasure trove of our, of the, you know, our old sports equipment that's up on the roofs here um so if anybody's got like a 30 foot ladder no i'm just kidding they're probably all shot now but it was fun while it lasted but we're gonna a lot of fun good time hanging out together great group love our our youth um speaking of youth youth summer camp july 8th through the 11th uh it's gonna be four days three nights at alpine christian conference center um, and it's going to be with Calvary San Diego, Calvary Imperial Beach, I believe Calvary Foothill Ranch. Uh, the cost is three twenty-five, dollars which adds up, especially with multiple kids. So to help offset that, we're going to be doing a bake sale on June 5th, uh, where our youth are going to be bringing baked goods and uh, to sell them. And, uh, you know, that's a great opportunity and way to support them, help them get to camp um, most of you probably know, if you don't, camps are huge in the lives of, of students. Um, and the leaders, by the way, because, I mean, we just love, it's so cool getting away and watching God do his work, and, and so we're, we're stoked on that. Um, so 8th through the 11th, July 8th through the 11th, mark your calendar. It's a Friday through a Monday, um, and it's going to be great. It's, there's all kinds of fun stuff that is going to be included. Um, high ropes course, zip line. Um, there's just tons of stuff, like all the fun things you wish you could do when you were a kid, like nineties movie stuff, you know, like when kids like leave their parents and like blank check, you know, he's like got a water slide and anyway, um, but yeah, so there's that, uh, our e-bulletin, I don't, if you're signed up or not, you know, you can let us know, you can write, write it down and put it in the offering in the back. We'll make sure we sign you up for our e-bulletin has all of our announcements and more. And then, uh, podcast if you didn't know we have a podcast that has all the previous messages on there and you can check them out there so there you go there's your announcements uh for today uh we're gonna be looking at first timothy chapter 4 verses 6 through 11 we're back in first timothy uh in the message title discipline equals freedom uh we'll be looking at again like i said verses 6 through 11 if you'd stand we'll read those together and then we'll get get started you don't have to stand, but you can. If you instruct the brethren in these things, you will be a good minister of Jesus Christ, nourished in the words of faith and of good doctrine, which you have carefully followed. But we reject profane and old wives' fables uh, and exercise yourself toward godliness. For bodily exercise profits a little, but godliness is profitable for all things, having promise of the life that now is and of, the one, of that which is to come. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance. For to this end, we both labor and suffer reproach because we trust in the living God who is the savior of all men, especially of those who believe. These things command and teach. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for this, this time this morning where we can all gather together. 
where we have a place to gather, a group of people who are like like-minded and, and all in this process together of following you and, and seeking to line our lives up with you more and more and, and to see you intervene and change things, um, you know, situations in our hearts, God. We pray that you'd speak to us by your spirit, Lord, through your word and uh, that you just would give us ears to hear and eyes to see what you want to show us, Lord. We love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, you guys may be seated. You guys see, we, we've got words up here. Isn't that cool? So if you forgot your Bible. Um, the cool thing is everybody has them, which I think is awesome, but, you know, visual. Uh, visual aid. Here we go. Verse 6. If you instruct the brethren in these things, you'll be a good minister of Jesus Christ, nourished in the words of faith and of good doctrine, which you have carefully followed. Quick recap, of course, we remember that this letter was written to Timothy from the Apostle Paul. Timothy was Paul's son in the faith. He was ministering in Ephesus, and there's been a bunch of weird teaching that's gotten, made its way into the, uh, into the flock. This dynamic church had been crippled by bad teaching. And so Timothy is being reminded by Paul Train them up. Give them the real thing. Make sure they know what they believe and why they believe it. it, it this, this changes everything. It's so vital. It's so important that you, they understand what and why they believe the things that they believe. And so he's dealing with that and looking uh, to instruct them. So Paul's reminding him of all these things from the past and all these things from the future. And he's in, encouraging him and charging him as a young pastor uh, to minister well. He says, if you instruct the brethren, and we just said that, yeah, instruct the brethren, these things, right? Good doctrine, knowing what we believe and why we believe it, it releases us to be free in him and to be truly the servants we're supposed to be. He says, you'll be a good minister of Jesus Christ. The word minister is diakonos, which is servant, and so you think, minister, well, I'm not a minister. Maybe you grew up in a denomination where you called the pastor the minister, you know. Um, th this is for everyone who's serving and following Jesus. This is for the a servant, really, okay? Um, and and it's, it's, it's definitely for the leader, but it's also for all of us who are choosing to, to take our lives and serve, well, that's, which is partially part of the problem where we think, oh, the person who's a pastor or, you know, the worship leader or the youth, youth leader or whatever, those people are the servants. We're just part of the, the followers, right? And that's, that's like such a, it really messes everything up. It's not the way it was supposed to be. Uh, the job, in fact, of the leadership is to raise up more leaders. It's to raise up people and equip them for the work of the ministry. So this includes all of us. So when you hear ministers, it's the idea, it's, it's for all of us, okay? So if we instruct your brother in these things, you'll be a good minister. So this is the minister or the pastor or the, the leader instructing the church, the body, right? That's a big part of it. But then the other part is uh, the body then instructing other parts of the body, encouraging one another. Uh, if you missed the Mother's Day message last week, we talked a lot about that. Future generations. How important it is to pass on the things you've learned to the next generation. The wins, what God did, the, the struggles even. 
bring them up, have them walk with you and lie down with you and wake up with you. Everything you do, bring them along with you. It's not what you say, do what I say, not what I do. No, it's do what you, uh, you know, say what you do and then let them analyze that and be around that. Struggle, process, work on it all together, right? And so that's kind of the idea. We are to, to do this. As we're growing in this, we help each other grow in this. We build each other up, okay? And that's part of the, the, the thing. Good leaders don't make followers. Good leaders raise up more leaders. And so that's something, I mean, I personally am like, I just want to see us continue to grow in, that we give opportunities and space to empower and see people raised up to continue growing and moving and utilizing the gifts. And so many of you have already do that. Take ownership and charge it. Uh, love well. Minister without anybody give, needing to give you permission. That's beautiful. So if you uh, instruct the brethren in these things, you'll be a good minister of Jesus Christ. Nurse in the words of faith and of the good doctrine which you have carefully followed. Um, the most disciplined and grounded people have the most freedom to like live, you know, freely, openly, right? That's, that's like, it's, it's the idea of you want to learn how to play guitar and you're like, but I don't, I remember I, I met one of our, it was a youth student once and he says, I don't believe in keys. He said, I think that's a man-made construct, you know, or like uh, different keys and, and chords that go together. I think that's a man-made construct. And you're like, my ears tell me differently, you know? I just, I don't want to be stuck learning all this repetitious stuff. I just want to play the guitar creatively and freely. The only way to play your guitar creatively and freely is to practice it for, for so long that you know it like the back of your hand and then you're wide open to be free. You could do whatever you want, right? Everything opens up to you because of the discipline right? And so you know where you're going. You, you can hear the chord before you have to read it on the piece of paper. You know what it is. I know where we're going, and, and it gives like this, it's, there's this synergy where everyone's working together. It's beautiful. But the idea is discipline, grounded people have the most freedom to live. If we uh, discipline ourselves and learn and grow, it gives us freedom to live uh, without fear, but to live like like bravely, courageously, and knowing, the idea is knowing who we are with, with our identity. Like I know who I am, who, where I belong, what I've been called to do. That is a person that can live freely. If you're always like not sure or you're, you're constantly being conditioned and uh, uh, changed by culture or the next new thing, you can't really live freely because you're always looking around like, is this what I'm supposed to do? Is this what I'm supposed to do? Is this what I'm supposed to do? We've got to live differently than that, but the only way to do that is to be disciplined and grounded in what he's call, what uh, Paul is calling nourished in this good doctrine, right? So part of the issues that they were dealing with at this point was the Gnostic influence. And the Gnostics had, their whole thing is that the body, the flesh is evil. So everything having to do with the flesh is evil. Everything having to do with the spirit is good. So food is bad. That's evil. That's like, it might be a necessary evil, but it's evil. It's not something, you can't really feast with feeling good about it, right? And, and so they were also encouraging them not to marry. Don't do that. That's the flesh. Don't, you don't, do all the spirit things. Paul's like saying, no, instead of 
abstaining or staying away, be nourished. Eat freely of this. This is the stuff that we should care about, the good doctrine, right? Nourished. Of course, our health depends on our ability to be nourished properly. Uh, it, it, it does, you know. Uh, the, the better you eat, the better results you get. I mean, that's just part of it, right? Uh, that's, and especially not eating, it becomes very obvious, right? I mean, how many of you guys have a timer that's like, I have a certain amount of hours because, before I become an absolute, like, tyrant and, like, monster to the rest of the world. That's the Snickers commercial, you know? It's like, hungry? <laughs> and it's always like someone turns into, like, a dragon or something, and then they come back, and it's like this nice lady. She's like, oh, thanks for the Snickers. And you're like, you, you were insane a second ago. The term is hangry, right? You get so hungry, you get angry. Like, you just need to feed me now or else I'm going to, something bad's happening, you know. And we know we need to be nourished properly. Does that make sense to us, doesn't it? Like, I got to eat. I know I've got to eat. I know that the things I eat actually do make a difference, right? And that's a fact. We need physical food to stay alive. It allows our bodies to grow this, we need spiritual food too. We can't expect to grow without proper nourishment. So that's the idea. You're nourished in the good things. You can't expect. And so like, I think a lot of times we get, God, I want to follow you. But there's no nourishment that happens after that, right? And, and remember, one of the worst things you could do is when you're trying to do something hardcore is not back it up with life, the right lifestyle decisions, Right? Remember football hell week, and you just, I mean, it's just horrendous, you know, just brutal, especially out in the heat. I'm such a sissy. We were watching a game yesterday, and I'm like, it is so hot. It was like 78. I grew up in the hundreds, you know, uh, but I've come a long way, and uh, we would have football, and, and then you'd, you'd I remember I'd get home and, and, and you'd have breaks between the morning session and the night session and you didn't realize how much fluids had come out of you sweating and just going through the blood, sweat, and tears, you know, going through all that. And then you'd get home and, and the first day you don't do what you're supposed to do. Maybe you're like, I'm so thirsty, I'm going to drink uh, some Dr. Pepper. And you're just like, okay, good choice. Well, then, then you're like laying on the couch and all of a sudden your, uh, your quads or your hamstring says, I will take your leg now. And it goes like this and the whole thing. And I remember happening to me once where my, quad, or my, my hamstring went and I was like, ah, and then I, I push it out and my quad went. It's bad. This is bad, okay? It's just like... Uh, just amputate it, you know, like at this point, because I'm literally cramping on both sides. There's like boulders of muscles going both directions. And you're like, should have drinking some water. So what, guess what you do the next day? You, you, as soon as you're done with practice, electrolytes, bananas, man. Let's go. I got to get this. I don't want to eat this now, but I have to. I recognize that if I don't do this, there's going to be a detriment. And I can't expect to continue to grow and to move forward and to get better if I don't use the proper nourishment nutrients. So you get away from the junk and you start putting the right things into your life and you experience growth. This is the same thing spiritually. 
So that's what Paul's encouraging them to do. Don't worry about all the, you know, uh, actual literal food. Eat your food. Enjoy it. You know, there's going to be feasting in heaven. Jesus, we talked about this, he ate after he was risen from the dead. Hallelujah. Praise God. I'm into it. I'm, I'm, I'm so into that feast. Can you imagine? But we need to be nourished spiritually, right? That's the main thing. We need spiritual food. We can't expect to grow without it. Matthew 4, 4 says, uh, Jesus is speaking to Satan actually at this moment. He said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Satan is tempting Jesus, if you remember the scene, and he says, hey, turn this, uh, these stones into bread. He'd been fasting for how long? 40 days! Hangry. (laughs) Uh, Right when you would think potentially most vulnerable, some believe most least vulnerable because he was so close to the Father. But they tempt him. He tempts him. And Jesus said, man doesn't live by bread alone, but every word proceeds out of the mouth of God. This is called good doctrine. Spending time in the word to know what you believe. And can I compel you? This is the time to do this. Like, like everything is getting crazier and crazier. Ideas are getting crazier and crazier. The things that you call good are called evil and evil good. We got to know what we believe. Otherwise, one will be caught up in the wave and, and shipwrecked. We'll go along with it and we'll fall hard, right? That's one, one thing. Or the other one is, we'll be rendered ineffective because we don't know who we are or what to say. We know something's not right, but we don't have enough context to give you anything. I don't know how to address this. Or we're nourished, we're strong, we are who we're supposed to be, and we stand out and up in the midst of this culture and generation, not with man ideas to fight it in the flesh, but with spiritual truths that we wouldn't back down from because we know this is the real thing. But that comes only through being nourished, right? The nourishment of the word and good doctrine. We are opening, if we don't have that, if we neglect that, we're opening ourselves up to crazy amounts of deception. Deception everywhere, right? Part of that is we make the Bible fit our narrative instead of our narrative fitting uh, in with the message of the Bible, right? And, and that's a major issue we're right, we are at right now, where we take the things we see in the world and we go, how do we make the Bible work with that? As opposed to, how do we, how do we dif- discern the world through the eyes of the word of God? How do we discern what's going on around us? Because, I mean, it's actually becoming more and more clear, if we're being honest, I mean, the the word of God is like coming alive in so many ways. You're like, you totally told us about this. This is literally what's happening right now. But it doesn't make it any less dangerous. We're reminded in Isaiah 55, verses 8 through 9. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways. And my thoughts than your thoughts. Whenever we uh, come to the conclusion that we just can't figure it out, and so we're just going to go with what we think, that's what we're doing. We're saying, my thoughts are higher than your thoughts, God. 
And my ways are not your ways. It's like feels blasphemous saying that, you know? But like we do that a lot because we go, oh yeah, I believe all of that. But when we run across something that we don't, we go, I'm going to cut that part out. I don't want to deal with that part. Mm, I've got a mulligan on that one. Of course, God's got so much grace for us. He's so gracious, so merciful. But he's like, why would you want to continue on doing the things I've, I've warned you not to? Why would you want to continue on going the path that isn't going to lead to anything? If you believe me and know that I'm good and know that I see the beginning from the end, take my advice. You know, one of the best things you can do when you're trying to figure out something is go around someone who's done it for a lot longer, ask them a question and shut up. Let them talk, right? You don't have to tell them what you think. They're the, just let them tell you. I don't really know anything about this. Can you tell me? Oh, well, actually, I think I know about, you know, they're like, oh, did you want me to tell you? Because, I mean, I've done the whole thing what you're doing right now, and I can help you. Just listen, right? That's the word of God where we can say, I don't, everything's confusing around me. I, it doesn't have to make full sense to me, but I do know that what you say works. That's the, that's the whole thing, right? Uh, John chapter six, Peter, you know, they, he goes before the, uh, um, or, or Jesus had just told a bunch of his disciples, hey guys, you're going to have to eat my body and you're going to have to drink my blood. And they're like, what? No context. Co context makes, means everything, right? When we have context, we go, oh, he's talking about dying on the cross and, and then the Lord's Supper communion. Yeah, that's, that's an awesome picture. But not when someone tells you that straight up. You're going to have to eat my body and drink my blood. Like, what are you talking about? I'm going to have to like gnaw on your leg or what, you know? And so what happens? A bunch of the disciples that were following were like, we're out of here. We don't know what you're talking about. This is a hard saying. We're done. And Jesus is like, hey, Peter, are you going to leave? And he's like, um, I don't know what you're talking about either, but I believe you're the Christ and you have the words to eternal life. So I'm following you, even though I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> That's, that's the idea you are, where you're so grounded, we're so grounded that we see it and we don't, it doesn't make sense. That's okay. It might make sense eventually. It might not. But we do it anyway. Because we say, God, you've proved yourself so faithful in every other way. That's Peter saying, we believe, we've come to believe you're the Christ. So where else would we go? I can't unsee what I've seen. That's, that's, that's getting to that point, okay? Uh, verse seven, but reject profane and old wives' fables and exercise yourself towards godliness. Reject, the idea is reject godless myths. Reject the lies and the deception, the storytellers that weave stories in and out. How do we know lies unless we know the truth? That's really, really important. Again, good doctrine, a good steady diet of spending time with the Lord, reading, growing, listening. It, it, it keeps us and helps us to know the truth. Knowing the truth also gives us the confidence to know who we are and to know our purpose. When we know the truth, it's like things are really clear and they're open. Like we know why we're here. We know the point. It's our purpose, right? And then he, so he says, 
exercise yourselves towards godliness. Exercise is like, it's a sustained effort, right? Like it's a, it's a disciplined effort that if you really want it to work, is sustained. I remember meeting someone and they were like, hey, I started going to the gym. I was like, oh, cool, what are, what are you doing? They're like, I go one day, uh, one day a week for like an hour or something. I'm like, that's good. That's better than nothing. But, you know, it's like you're going to need probably some sustained effort, right? And, and part of, of that is, is making habits. We talked a while back. I had read a book about uh, uh, your future self will thank you. And it was about how habits don't take from our willpower, our willpower gets depleted. You can't, you can't have enough willpower to do everything you want to do. So the, the way to do that is by forming habits. Uh, actually, the whole, a um, lot of the, the, you know, understanding the brain and how we do things, a lot of these, these you know, experts are finding out habits are crucial. Um, there's a New York Times bestselling author, James Clear, has a book called Atomic Habits. And I think Billy was talking to me about it a while back, but I, I just heard a podcast on it. And it's, it's interesting. He like actually says the best thing you can do is if you want to start a habit is do something for like two minutes at a time every, every day you want to do it. You go like, what? So he says, if you want to become a runner, put on your running shoes, two to five minutes. Put on your running shoes and run for five minutes and then come inside. You know, because you know, if you're like me, I'm going to be a runner. So what do I do? I'm going to run as fast as I can for five miles and not be able to walk for a week. That is not how you sustain it. So the idea is you form the habit, which makes you like think I am a runner and it starts your brain doesn't have to use willpower anymore. It's what you do. Right. So you form the habit. He, he talked about in his book that there was a man who lost 100 pounds uh, by going to the gym. Well, how did he start going to the gym? He would literally drive to the gym, go in for five minutes, and then made himself leave after five minutes. You can't stay past five minutes. You're going like, this sounds ridiculous. But the idea is it formed the habit. So do we struggle in, in exercising ourselves towards godliness? Do we struggle with time in the word? Let me encourage you, don't try to read through the Bible in 90 days. It's like 40 minutes of reading every day straight through. Read a verse every day. And do it at the same time. You want to do it? You want to do it first thing in the morning? Say, this is what we're doing for this whole next two weeks two weeks to three weeks, generally gets a habit going. I'm going to wake up. I'm going to get up. I'm not touching my phone until I've read a verse, five verses, whatever. And you can start real small. Read it, meditated on it, and then prayed for like a, a minute, whatever. The idea is you're like, uh, I, it, hopefully it should be longer than that. Yes, the goal is not to stay there right? But the part of it is, it's making a habit that you know you can do. I can do that. I can do that. And then all of a sudden, that's part of what you do. You've trained your brain to exercise yourself towards godliness. It works in every way. It might sound like, that sounds kind of weird. It like works, you know, because you, you have to make a habit out of things. Like, this is how I will do it. People who uh, get really physically fit, they don't do it when they feel like it. They do it all the time, no matter what. It's like, that's part of what I am and who I, like, 
what I do, who I am. This is part of my identity. So this is what I do. I wake up, I read the Bible every morning. Starts with one verse, goes to two. You know, and now all of a sudden you're craving it. And you're like, man, I hope I can get through this season so I can start reading it more. <laughs> you know, or like whatever, however long it goes. But the idea is something sustainable. You can go from there. I know you're like, whatever, that's not exactly. But it's, it's part of that. It's part of exercising habits. It's a big deal, right? And he reminds us, uh, exercise, it, it takes effort, but it results in a lot of benefits. Strength, stamina, confidence. It can save us from energy or even like lifestyle-related health issues. That's bodily exercise. Can we all agree on that? I mean, that all adds up, right? I mean, when you exercise, your mind works better. Everything works better. Like, there's just something about it. Like, we're created and made to move. Yeah, we, want, we don't want to. Like, especially, so you can't do the emotional thing. But what does verse 8 tell us? For bodily exercise profits a little. But godliness is profitable for all things, having a promise of the life that now is and of that which is to come. Bodily exercise profits a little. It's, it absolutely does. We know that. But this should tell us how much more godliness profits us. You call bodily exercise? Yeah, that's a little bit in comparison to becoming more like Jesus. Well, a lot of times, what's the thing that we back out from either exercising physically or spiritually? It's hard work, right, to maintain, to go. Uh, it goes against sometimes our natural inclination or our, you know, you know whatever, our, our, our desires at the moment. You know, you, it, there, there's no time that the bed feels better than when the alarm clock goes off. You could be tossing and turning all night, and somehow, when the alarm goes off, you're like, I was in the most blissful sleep. How did this happen? Don't naturally want to do that. We don't want naturally want to give up. But the idea is we do the hard work now, or we do the much harder work later. You're going to pay now or later. <laughs> Spiritually, that is absolutely 100% true. We either discipline and grow now or reap the, you know, the consequences of not. And we keep doing the same thing and keep watching the same thing happen, hoping something's going to change, right? But you guys know the definition of insanity, doing the same thing and expecting a different outcome. Something's got to change. Something's got to give, Right? Bodily exercise profits, sure. Godliness, so much more, right? Again, don't be stressed about this. Don't let this, like, mess you up. Just move forward from today. Today. Little, little changes make big impact over time. Big impact over time, right? Like, if you, if you just do a little bit every day, especially if it's a compounding decision, a decision that helps another part too. And, and that's the thing with godliness is the more you grow, the better that decision makes sense. It makes more and more sense. Every single layer. It affects everything. It compounds. 
gets bigger and bigger and bigger, and, and you gain more and more and more. On the contrary, sin does the same thing. Right? A small decision turns into something bigger, turns into something bigger, turns into something bigger. Because most people, we don't start off like, I'm going to do something big and gnarly. It just, it, it, it's one step after the other. We all know that, right? Until finally we like slam and we're like, I'm awake. You know, like when you're a kid, maybe somebody say, hey, stop doing that thing. And you're like, yeah, right. And then you fall and you got to act like it didn't hurt, but it hurts so much. And so you kind of do the weird limp thing, you know, where you're trying to get away from everyone, you know, because you're really hurt. Do you guys know what I'm talking about? No, maybe. You're just trying to, like, act cool and tough and, you know, I'm not going to cry in front of my kids, you know. Right. So don't stress. Don't stress. Just start today, you know. Start today. You know, I think, hey, I have not been exercising myself towards godliness. I've put way more effort into exercising physically, and that hasn't gone well either. But what about exercising towards godliness? Just start putting in the effort today. Make it a habit. Make it who you are. Let it define you. And then you get freedom. Right? Verse 9, this is a faithful saying worthy of all acceptance. For to this end, we both labor and suffer reproach because we trust in the living God who is the savior of all men, especially of those who believe. Godliness and and exercising your faith and growing and becoming more like him does not promise relief from pain. It, It actually can lead to it in some sense. Like sometimes the world gets gnarlier and darker and you deal with spiritual stuff. But, it's, but there's freedom and there's peace even in the midst of all of that. And it's the truth. It's the only message that can save, right? Paul's life, if you were looking at it from an outsider's perspective, was probably easier before he accepted Christ. I mean, he had people that were, everybody was looking up to him. He had uh, probably sat, he probably ate the best food, sat at the best tables, enjoyed all that was involved, But as soon as he met Jesus, there was no turning back. And he was down. I mean, he was at the point of death multiple times. And he wouldn't deny Jesus. He was just, he would preach and preach and preach and preach. He'd watch the jailers get saved. He'd watch, uh, you know, everyone who would be around him. He'd he'd just continue telling them about Jesus. Because he experienced the real thing. You know, they suffer Go through stuff, no, no, no doubt. Reproach, dealing with people, uh, you know, going after them, right? The Bible does not promise easy roads, but it does, it absolutely does provide us true purpose that produces true purpose. You know, uh, there's some, been some studies done that uh, for ye- years, the most uh, motivating factor for going to work somewhere was the finances. And that's still a big part. Obviously, that helps. You're like, I got to afford to feed my family and all this and that. But they're saying the next generation, and this is why there's some hopefulness for what's going on in the next generation, the millennial and then the generation to follow, is they're actually more focused on purpose. Is there a purpose, right? That purpose can be very misaligned. You know, but it's like the money, sure, take care of it, but purpose. 
What is my purpose? Why am I here? Is there something bigger than me that I can grab onto? That's why you see people trying to find it all over the place, sometimes in the absolute opposite ways of purpose, right? But like God shows us, brings us in. Hey, might not be easy, but this is what life is about. You are joining in, aligning yourselves with the mission of God from the very beginning. You're now part of the greatest purpose that ever has been. You will be activated, you will be utilized, you will be blessed if you jump in. Will it be hard? Sure. What did Jesus say? You know, foxes have holes, birds have nests, son of man has nowhere to lay his head. What did he say? If you want to follow me, take up your cross and follow me. If you want to be first, you're going to have to be last. The greatest is the servant. Completely countercultural to the world around us, but we've bought the lie that the things that we would be giving up were actually better for us to be served, right? To be first, right? I, you'll normally catch me, this isn't like, uh, I'll, I'll explain the reasoning why. It's not as holy as you might think. But I, I, I love being the last person to eat in a line. You go, that's so sweet of you. No, it's because I know I can eat probably as much as I want as opposed to being like, I don't know how many people are here. You know, like, there's a lot left over. I'm the last person. Uh, you know, here you go. But it's, it's, there's something sweet about that. I remember being a kid and we would get, you know, pizza or whatever with your, like, your cousins or something. Like, oh, get the pizza out. And it's like, Lord of the Flies, man, like, you better get that quick. You know, you never know how long it's all going to last. And so you're trying to get in the front of the line. You're just like, ah. Always end up there was more. And it's like striving to, to get up there, to get up there. It's so cool to just sit back and be chill and be like, just let the whole thing go. And now I put a lot of mashed potatoes because there's enough. <laughs> but the idea that being first is going to make us feel better, it's absolutely not, right? What do we have an entitled... A, a huge amount of entitled generation, it's not working. It's not working. We don't, we're not feeling better about it. It's not like helping us. It's like the new drug of the day. You just need more, right? Or what about, you know, like being safe? Oh, you gotta be, all you gotta do, just be safe. Nothing is safe in the world. And, and the best adventures are the least safe ones, Right? Like, wow, God, that was crazy. Felt like I could have died there. <laughs> okay, you didn't. And that's Paul. I mean, why does he tell all the stories? He's like, guys, I almost died like 10 times. Viper jumped up and bit my hand. I threw it in a fire. Just there, and all of a sudden, they're like, you're a God. He's like, no, I'm not. Stop, you know. Just like, this was like their life. It was wild. So our mission is to serve God and partner with him to connect the dots between people's hearts and Jesus. Because we have a just, you look at the world around us, we, you start thinking, ah, oh, I don't feel like I connect or anything. We are more connected than we're not. We are all humans. We are all people. We are all created in the image of God for a good purpose. And we all are longing to be connected with Jesus, whether we want to admit it or recognize it or not. So God chooses and uses his people to help connect the dots. That's the gospel. That's bringing the message to the world. I didn't even know I needed this. I didn't even know. 
This is our method, the gospel. Romans 1.16, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. Paul says, I am not ashamed of the gospel because this really changes people. How do I know? I'm one of them. The good news of the gospel takes dead men and make them alive. Takes bad men and make them redeemed. Takes the unrighteous, rotten, foolish things of the world and makes them wise and beautiful before him. So it's like, why would we not sign on to that, right? Why would we not invest all of our uh, discipline and effort into becoming more like him? The beautiful thing is, the more disciplined again, the more we, we spend time and know him, the more freedom we have to use that. The more we have the words on our lips to speak to people. When we're in conversations, God will prepare you to say the right thing to the right person at the right time. And now you're not just reading about people being used by God. You're experiencing it for yourselves. But it starts with that at the beginning. Like look, reading, looking. It's just, it's always so amazing when you realize, maybe you've experienced this. I've recently, it's happened a couple times, where all of a sudden you realize, this is a God appointment. <laughs> they just start bringing stuff up and you go, this is, this is why I'm here. <laughs> you're like, Lord, help me to not be too crazy and jump too quick, but to speak with wisdom and to continue to, to minister in this place. There's so many different ways you can do that, but it all starts with the discipline of spending time with the Lord and it'll lead to a freedom of a life serving him, enjoying him, and not being so freaked out by everything going on in the world around us because we're connected to him. And he says, I told you this was coming, but I also told you I'm winning. And I also told you I'm going to use you. And I also told you I'm going to be drawing people from all over the place. And, and there's going to be revivals. There's going to be all kinds of stuff where I pour out my spirit and people, men are saved and changed. And, and this is what I do. We get to be a part of that. So I encourage you guys, discipline, Body for exercise, that's great. It's awesome. Such a good idea. Nothing in comparison to disciplining ourselves towards godliness, towards training ourselves towards godliness. And so I'd encourage you, I kind of give practical ideas of like, hey, just a little bit at a time. If whatever it is, whatever you need, just take, take a minute, whatever it is, and say, hey, this part of my spiritual life is lacking. Maybe you read the Bible constantly. You're just constantly reading it. That's great. But maybe your prayer life is garbage. Who knows, right? Or maybe you don't talk to people. Well, maybe you say, I'm going to have one conversation a day with someone, you know? Whatever it is. Maybe you're like, I've, I've never served, but I want to serve in something. Do something small and serve. Really small. It doesn't take much. It whets your appetite before you know the, the cool thing is, if, if, you, if we discipline ourselves and grow towards godliness, you will want more. You're not going to stick around long where you're at. We form the habits to, to see and allow God to change us, expose ourselves to how good he is, and then we're going to want more and more and more and more and more. Lord, thank you so much for your, your word this morning. And... Um, 
God, for your, your amazing grace for us. And uh, Lord, we are grateful that you choose to use us. Lord, we're grateful that like you want to redeem us and restore us and make us new. So help us to receive that and live that out as like new creations. And that we would, with the same tenacity we take in like exercising our body or how we invest in business or how we analyze stock market or whatever, we would put at least that much effort in exercising ourselves towards godliness, which has profit in this world and in the world to come. It's, it's the, you know, the treasure that the moth can't destroy, rust can't destroy, the thief can't break in and steal. So help us to invest well into that and just to enjoy your, your goodness in our lives, that we'd be able to live simply and just enjoy it, that we'd be able to follow you with tenacity and passion because we've been freed up. We know who we are, we know whose we are, and we are just so grateful. And that, that produces a life of, of just joy and peace. And we love you, Lord. We thank you, God. Thank you for each person here. I pray you pour out your spirit on us, that we'd be able to follow you and uh, that you lead us and guide us. Show us the things you want us to grow in. We love you, God. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.